Welcome to this first episode of Wing Marketing, a podcast about building more effective working relationships between businesses and their marketing teams on one hand and their external teams and agencies on the other. And to start the series, we're looking at a fundamental question, which is what is the core relationship between a business and its agencies? And in particular, can clients and externals ever truly cooperate or do we just delude ourselves by using terms like cooperation and partnership? I'm Kevin Hassel, and with me are Mark Sherwin, Managing Director at Accenture Interactive, Remini Armitage, co-founder of Brilliant and Human, and freelance project manager Claude Boyon. So let's start with first principles. If the objective of a business is to maximize profits, and both clients and agency are businesses, then can they ever get beyond each trying to maximize their own profits at the other expense? Mark Sherwin, you are Accenture Interactive's global offering lead for digital customer service. So you see this played out daily across the world, across a range of sectors with world-leading organizations. Can clients and agencies cooperate or is the relationship always a win-lose adversarial struggle? Well, I'm glad to say I do think they can absolutely cooperate um, and I see it every day in the relationships we have with clients. Um, I'm not saying it's not tricky and it does need quite a lot of care around how you set up the relationship, how you agree the contracts and also how long-term your performance indicators are that your business operates by. We find that it only really works uh, when you are looking at the long-term, where you're not looking at short-term gain, but really understanding that the relationships you form now could be with a business for 10, 15, 20, 30, or in many cases for Accenture as a whole, 50 years. Um, And as such, uh, it's it's simply not worth chasing short-term gain over working together in partnership to deliver the outcomes that you really want for both businesses um, and both achieving success. I think the other part of it is, is, is how do you align measurement and payment and reward? And one of the things that we increasingly are doing is as we take more of an end-to-end uh, perspective on experiences, uh, we work in partnership with customers and actually make a commitment that we will drive down their costs of operation, of their marketing, um, at the same time as driving growth for them, and then align some, or in some cases, all of our reward against that. And I think that's a really exciting new model. It certainly changes the conversation when you say, look, uh, whether we're building your website, driving your advertising, creating some incredible awarding creative, we only are going to get awarded when you sell your product. And I think that suddenly aligns you completely um, with each other and, and, and is a real spirit of genuine partnership, not just simply something you say on paper. Cool. Ramani Armitage, you have a lot of qualitative data to work with. So after a series of roles with some very well-regarded London agencies, you set up Brilliant and Human, which is a consultancy helping build stronger relationships between agencies and clients. And as part of that, you talk in detail to a lot of agencies' clients about how they view their agencies on a day-to-day working level. So from all those interviews and all that data, what do you see? Like Mark was saying, I, I you know I definitely believe that there is agencies and clients want to be and should be in partnership. Um, I think the clients are genuinely after a partnership whereby the agency works as part of it, their team, but as an expert that they can't fulfill in-house. Um, unfortunately, this is often frustrated by a number of issues, but the most common issue that I find when interviewing clients is that it's um, a lack of communication or ineffective communication causes trouble and frustrations. The clients can often feel uncared for and unloved, which can often be simply solved by agencies implementing better communication practices that help build better relationships all around. Um, It's ultimately, for me and for my clients, it's about treating the clients in a more human way and encouraging better engagement. And 
I think, um, and have found that people rely too heavily on tech to communicate. If people use the phone or met each other in person more, it would lead to stronger and more human relationships. And that will help build those relationships ongoing. Because as Mark said, a relationship should be something that's a long-term goal. Uh, you know, other key issues that come up again and again, are sort of lack of proactivity and, and inefficient processes. So if you can fix that, build those relationships to last, then you should be able to work in partnership. So you're seeing a norm that clients want to see it as a partnership, as a cooperation, but there are certain practical issues often around communication which stand in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And especially, I mean, I shouldn't, you know, possibly shouldn't say it, but I think often the younger generation are more afraid of picking up the phone or engaging with their clients um, directly. They, they tend to veer away from it and use emails or messages, you know, more than they should, I think. It needs to be bring more humanity back into business, I think will solve a lot of a lot of problems. Okay. Claude Boyon, your experience is very different to Remini's and Mark's. So you know, Mark's talking about contracts and 50-year relationships and so forth, and Remini's talking about communication between the client and the agency. But for you, for over a decade or more, you've managed projects within agencies in Sacramento, Perth, Melbourne, Zurich, and remote projects for agencies in London and New York. So in practice, on a day-to-day basis. How do you and your teams delivering the work view the clients? And how do you feel that the clients view you and your people? Well, um, I think there are like obvious um, views from the team working for the clients. Number one is that the client pays the bills and then it keeps the agency afloat. But I think the most important thing is that I always tell it to my team that you should make the client successful. You need to be able to empathize to the client's um, struggles and issues. And from then on, if you build that you know, trusting relationship, they can become your ambassadors for other clients. They become your indirect sales team through referrals. And also on the client's side, I would like to think that we are the client's right hand. And then we become the trusted advisors. If they need an expertise in a certain field, then we are that. And then we would like to serve like in a personal way, not like like a very cold-blooded way where you just, you know, pull in data and numbers. So it's more personal in that way. And I think um, smaller agencies that I've been working with have survived and continued to build trusting relationship with the clients because of that personal touch. You've used the word should and like there a lot. Yeah. Is that actually how you and the guys and the team view it? I mean, when the when the client emails you at two o'clock in the morning and says, oh my God, I absolutely have to change the color of the font on this web page or whatever random idea the client comes up with at two in the morning, then at eight o'clock in the morning when you check your email, are you feeling like a partner at that point? Or are you feeling like a, a sort of hard put upon servant? No, no, because I, w- I, I was able to empathize with the client that, oh my God, she needs to send it out. It's looking so bad. She would get into trouble and then would get into trouble. So I think it's a concerted effort to make her look good. And in the end, it would also make us look good. <laughs> yeah, that was, okay. So you and I had a conversation earlier about a client who needed something for New York Fashion Week, yeah. which is coming up shortly. So that's yeah. where that one question came from. Um, but okay, so this isn't just a, an empty aspiration. This is genuinely, this is how even on the ground floor, the guys doing the work can view the agency as a partner, see themselves as the right hand. 
Yeah, and at least that's what I try to tell you know the, the developers, the designers, or the SEO experts that we need to make the clients look good for themselves, for their clients, or for their bosses. Okay, cool. Mark, let's loop back to you. What do you having heard that? What do you think? So I think I think absolutely right. I, I think anything is is it's sometimes tempting to suggest it's all on the agency side to be responsible for the relationship, and whether that's picking up the phone, as as, as Remley mentioned, or whether it's uh, responding to a client need. I think it's actually true partnership means everybody's got to be respectful of each other, and I think that's at every level. And I think if you set the wrong tone, you very quickly um, drive very macro behaviours um, from very minor sort of behavioral actions on the ground so to give you an example you know two simple examples if you've worked your team to the ground to hit your deadline for the last week um, and then you ask them to do it all over again the next day with a no warning with no empathy about their humanity and um, very quickly you'll find that they really don't value that relationship and you'll get back what you what you deliver in the same way I've, you know, I've seen organizations who send out an RFP on the 24th of December, of which the first question is, tell me about how you value um, humans and act in a truly human manner um, <laughs> with a deadline of the 1st of January for return of your of your RFP. And that's clearly not a spirit of partnership. And if you set it up, you know, those, those little behaviors, those little things can make a huge impact on how the team feel on the ground on both sides and whether there's that trust and spirit of partnership. So I think, you know, one in what I talked about at the beginning was these big macro things things of long-term relationships um, contractually being in the same boat, aiming for the same goals and being rewarded on it. At the other end, I think it's, you know, you've got to behave in a more truly human way. Everybody's got to take responsibility for that relationship and curate it just like you would a personal relationship. And if you do that, then then you, you will genuinely work in partnership. But if one half demands that but doesn't demonstrate it in their actions, then you very quickly break that process. You've used the word partnership there a lot. Is that just a kind of lazy shorthand or is that very specifically the relationship that you're aiming for? I think it's the relationship we're aiming for and I think it's a relationship most clients are aiming for as well. But I think it becomes partnership cannot be project-based. Partnership cannot be um, directive-based. I, If you're going to have a real spirit of partnership, you've got to kind of open the doors, explain what you're really trying to do and achieve and work collaboratively with your partners and it's probably not one it's a probably an ecosystem of partners um, to find the right answer and so i think if you do that um then you can get to genuine partnership but i think if you you know if you just want to buy a service or a function or a project and you're very directive about it then it's very hard to deliver a partnership either between one you and one agency or increasingly an ecosystem of of partners that are actually delivering for you the ecosystem point is a really interesting one. I think it's worth us coming back to that in a minute. But just to hammer on this partnership point, Remini, what are your thoughts? Is partnership a viable way of describing this? I definitely think it is. I, and I think it's got to be on both sides, as Mark was saying. I mean, you know, as I said, the three things that I think the clients tend to complain about the most is probably what the, the agencies complain about, you know, lack of communication, proactivity. And humanity, uh, you know, the clients have got to be able to respect that they need to treat the agencies in a human way. They need to be get back and communicate back. But I think it needs to be led by the agency. I think the agencies need to set down the rules, um, be quite strong and honest and uh, forward with the way things should go. The project should run. I think that's their job. But they've got to follow through. And I think once the client respects that and the client can work with the agency to 
become a partnership um, in both ways, then it can be very successful. And it's obviously in everyone's interest, you know, the better project you can produce together, the more successful it can become, then the client will hopefully become an advocate, a long running relationship. And, um, you know, it is going to be the best marketing tool and they will give you repeat business. I mean, I love the idea of 10, 15, 50 years worth of relationships. And one of the things that I find with client care calls that I do is, you know, when I speak to agencies, they're like, you know, yes, our, our project managers or project directors are great. They've got really good relationships. And I, I always say, well, what do you do when the project, the core project's finished? It, invariably, what often happens, maybe not at Accenture, but is that they are, you know, they work on the project. But then when the project is finished, they haven't got the time to follow up and build those relationships ongoing so that they can get that repeat business. So it's really important to keep that relationship going um, beyond a core project. Is there a danger the way that we're talking here that we're using the word client, the client in the singular, as if you have a relationship with a single person or a single entity, which is the client, when in fact it's a it's a network of individuals. You've got your key point of contact, you've got whoever they're responsible to, you've got other stakeholders within the business. And if you, Remini, if you're seeing from maybe the interviews you're carrying out with clients that the people who are the points of contact, who are working in marketing or product marketing or whatever, are seeking a relationship, which is a partnership, is that something that's shared by the rest of the business? I mean, I can imagine a finance director looking at this and going, I really don't care that you keep saying partnership about your wonderful agencies. I want to know how we get our agency costs down 20%. I want to know how we, you know, cut some costs, increase some revenues, et cetera, et cetera. Are there issues that maybe you're talking to people who are seeking a partnership, but the deeper organization or the higher ups in the organization on the client side don't necessarily share that? Well, it's interesting because some of my clients, the, 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 the bigger agencies I work with, I actually, when I do interviews, I do the, the on the ground kind of manager, director of the project. But I also try to um, conduct interviews with the purse holders, the people who made the decision and trying to find out, you know, whether or not the product or the service is being delivered from their perspective. So I try to get a broader range. And I think, you know, it's one of the things obviously I'm passionate about client care one of the things that I think is it's such a good thing to do is you can it, it enables people to feel loved and 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 appreciated and heard so that if there are issues they're fed back to the agency and it you know it often goes both ways um you know as I say from the agency side and it's an opportunity not for me to say that to the client but it, it then opens up conversations between the client I say, you know, client with an S as well, um, and the agency, you know, to to communicate better and improve relationships because ultimately everyone wants to be successful, and so that's what's got to be done, and that's where you know actually talking to your clients helps. So, are, are we saying that maybe the slightly cruel archetypes of the bean counting finance director or the predatory procurement director these are actually not fair? These are not accurate. You know, actually, those are, the, those are the clients, aren't they? So, you know, to me, having a conversation about costs and revenue is the first conversation you'd want to be having because ultimately, isn't it your job as an agency to make a business successful to help them get their costs down and increase their revenue? I mean, that's, that's, that is the goal. Um, uh, now, can you use creativity in service of that? Absolutely. Can you do some remarkable innovation in service of that? Absolutely. But frankly, if you can't answer that question, you're not doing a service to your marketing director or your project manager or whoever is delivering on that project because they're ultimately going to be judged on whether they're getting effective costs and driving revenue growth. And I mean, I think as long as you have those two conversations together, 
I think that's a brilliant conversation to be having. I think where it becomes difficult and does sometimes happen, and I think in perhaps less enlightened procurement environments it can happen, is that you start to just talk about costs and you fail to talk about growth. If you start talking about costs on their own, then it becomes a a, a commodity conversation and does become a kind of um, win-lose discussion. Um, So you have to be able to have the cost and revenue conversation combined. And I think you know, you can't have that with two different people. I have bean counter saying I want to look at just costs and a, a marketing director saying I want to look at growth. So I think the first question is, are you are you as a client aligned? Is everybody aiming for costs up, down and revenue up? If so, are you all focused on that? If so, we absolutely should be, you'd be having the right conversation with you. Is that easier for some agencies than others? And obviously, the subtext to that is your Accenture. If you walk into a room, there's a massive amount of gravitas there. There's probably incredible points of contact and sort of depth of contact through the other parts of Accenture with the deeper organization if we're talking about a large client. Um, So is it easier for you to have those kind of big picture cross-functional conversations? Yes. And I mean, I've obviously worked in agencies of many different sizes. I've worked with Remini in agencies where we weren't in that necessarily always in that luxury position. Um, so yes, it's a point of privilege. Um, I'm very delighted to have that point of privilege. I think it is a place that, you know, it's why I chose to be where I am, because I think it's, you can drive much greater impact and have that longer term partnership if you can have that conversation. But I think at the same time, you know, in even when I wasn't in that point of privilege, is the, the, the quicker you can get to that conversation and show that you represent all interests of a business and understand that and that you're not that you are understanding that they're under cost challenges, but that you understand they want to grow. And and, and actually, and sometimes you, you can help your client who may not necessarily be at top table to have a better conversation with more senior people in the organization and drive more impact if you can partner with them and have that conversation together with them, with the people in the business that you need to support. Um, I, one of the things I was just wanted to say about the, the, the bean counter side of things and, you know, the people who, the procurement, the dreaded procurement teams who are going to choose the agencies, um, if it is purely down to procurement and it's not down to any kind of relationship in the agencies that I've worked in before, is it's like, well, actually, what's the point in going for that? Because unless there's a relationship and a trust and the trust in from the client's perspective that you can deliver because you have got the credibility um, because you're not an Accenture, um, is really important to build that. And I think, you know, I'm very, my background is marketing and business development. And, uh, you know, from that perspective, I think it's absolutely critical that, you know, as an agency, you have a, a really strong credentials within a particular sector so that you can show that you know what you're talking about and you can prove that you've got that knowledge. And, you know, building those relationships in a human way is so important because you know if if as i said if you've got procurement choosing uh, an agency just because of the money or because of you know whatever health and safety certificates they've got or whatever it might be it's kind of worthless unless you've got those relationships in place already well playing devil's advocate for a bit you know if i was the procurement director and you're telling me you you don't want to play my game <laughs> and you don't want to look at the numbers and you want to start using these fluffy terms about partnership and you want to start talking about 50 years and i know full well that the average relationship now is what three years for an agency or something you're just using all these terms like partnership and it's just fluff to persuade us to spend more money than we need to spend and then not review the relationship and put it back out for tender again in two or three years. I'm using this just a cynical attempt for you to pad your doubtless excessive profits. But if you've got those relationships 
throughout uh, and you can show those relationships that's fine but you know once you're in there you can build those relationships and you will re- you know the the agency should be able to retain that uh, ongoing relationship as as accenture as mark was saying and i think you know that's why having good client relationships and good partnerships is absolutely critical um of course and as mark said it's about the growth it's being able to show that you are in it for the long term it's not just about being successful with that one project it's about looking at beyond that and being proactive again one of the things that comes up in my calls is often my client and the agency aren't being proactive enough with each other and i think that's a divide that needs to be worked on as well so okay so you get the work you get past the procurement team then you're starting to try and build the relationships and you're starting to turn it into more of a partnership does that deliver genuine benefits for the client or is that actually just an attempt to you know, cover over the cracks and the fact maybe you're not such good value for money and the procurement guy should come back in and kick you out. Oh, and how, how do you how do you demonstrate that partnership is commercially valuable, I guess is the question. Well, I mean, I suppose you, you demonstrate it by producing what you've promised to be producing and, and showing that what it is you're doing shows value. And, you know, you, with the proactive side, if you can ensure that the work that you're doing you know, you're thinking beyond what it is that they've asked for because they're not the experts. Um, then you're, you know, that it's you should be able to show undoubtable value because you are being successful in what they wanted and more, hopefully. So the the partnership leads to the success. Success is then visible in the bottom line over the long term, as Mark was saying. Measure it over a long period of time, and that's where you justify it. Be very clear what your goal is. Make sure that you're measuring that and make sure that you demonstrate that you are delivering that value. And, you know, I think the risk comes when when you, you just talk about the great awards you've won or show the great creative work that everybody goes ooh and ah at. You have to be able to link it back to the ask was to achieve X and we've done that and here are the metrics and the data that demonstrates that. And, and to be clear, that doesn't just mean performance-led marketing where you can track every single conversion. It may be much longer-term uh, awareness, etc. But all of that has to drive to a bottom line at some point. So you've got to have a clarity on how everybody's going to assess it and measure it at the start. So I think if you don't do that, and the risk is later on in the contract, someone starts stating the way they're going to measure it and everybody gets very uncomfortable. You need to be clear right up front, what is the outcome we want and how are we going to assess success? And frankly, I've never met a procurement person who doesn't want to have that conversation up front. Mm. And also, you've got the the agencies that, you know, you, you've got to be strong and uh, trust that what you're saying is is right. And if, if a client is giving you a brief that is completely untenable and ridiculous, then you need to be able to say, actually, this isn't doable, you, you should be doing it like this. And if the client doesn't like that, or doesn't appreciate that, then, you know, maybe you need to think about whether that's something that the relationship on either side is right. And I mean, I know, you know, I've been I've seen it, when we've we've kind of contradicted a a brief and actually that said we'll rewrite your brief with you and they've done it and it's it's been much more successful because the you know agency has actually knows what they're talking about claude as the person working at the coalface is this resonating for you or is this just all too abstract um not really i think most of it makes sense um i'll tell you a story about when i was still um working for this very small agency and we have established a connection with one uh, client and you know it's an enterprise client it's a high-tech company based in silicon valley so we started with this um marketing manager for uh, can i say the name 
I think it's fine. Uh, for, if you're not going to be rude about them, sure. No, it's fine. Uh, can I say the name, the, client, the, the company's name? It's Adobe. So we have established yeah. a connection with this uh, one client marketing manager. And um, we work with her, like with crafting ideas on how to fill her, her marketing events, like to make it full. So we work with her and then crafting like ideas, proposal, creating portals, videos, and whatever marketing ideas that we can throw to her and execute it flawlessly. And then we worked with her for like five years. And by the time that it was over, because Adobe was, I think, was in recession also, uh, we have established like um, 10 to 15 marketing managers working with us because she referred us to us. And then she became like one of the top marketing managers there. And purchasing like a purchase order or like procurement is not uh, really a problem for her because she's got clout because of her successful events and, and, and in marketing. So I think that's, I think, one example of establishing a very good relationship with a client. You can probably start small and build from there. So coming back to the idea of, you know, business is a zero-sum game and we have to win and they, they're going to lose and we just need to maximize our revenue off this. You're giving a clear example there of a company saying, well, we're not going to try and gouge the client. We're not going to try and do less work, charge more money. But because we've set up a strong partnership with this individual and that then extends to the rest of the organization, it increases our total revenue. It increases the size of the work. It opens up new opportunities to us. So rather than having to be confrontational and looking for short-term gain, you do the quality work and you make sure that builds into a broader partnership. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, Mark, you've sort of slightly in passing made a really interesting comment a bit earlier about it being increasingly likely that a client, particularly a major client, would be working within or creating an ecosystem of multiple agencies. How does that impact any individual agency's ability to work in partnership with them? How does it impact the client's ability to work in partnership? The client now has more people to deal with. And are the agencies not in competition with each other? I think, uh, so I'd say I, I come across very few organizations now who aren't working in an ecosystem. It's, it's just that the world of marketing has got so complex. There are so many different facets to it. Um, the, the, the likelihood that you are going to do all of the things that you do globally with one organization is, is increasingly unlikely. Um, now, where that split is, sometimes it's you know, professional services, creative services versus, for instance, the ecosystem of software providers that are part of your marketing solution. Um, indeed, sometimes uh, organizations choose to use a lot of different individual boutiques. I think it does make it more complicated, and I think it, you, you need to be very mindful in how you set that up. Um, I think what becomes quite challenging is if, if you as a marketing department decide to use lots of small individual boutique capabilities that might be brilliant on their own right, um, but the challenge is there is if you have one person doing your search engine optimization, one person buying your media, someone else developing your uh, overall campaign, someone building your digital products and services, and someone managing your digital platforms, it can be very, very tricky to align them all to a single goal. And particularly if you're looking for pace um, and performance, that can be really challenging. So I think we're seeing organizations who have done that starting to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe there is a better agency model. Um, a couple of those, sometimes it's about decoupling. Um, so they say, look, actually, we want to have one global strategic creative partner um, to develop the creative and drive the creative for us. But we want to have a decoupled marketing operations partner who can drive the scale and coordinate all the increasingly complex landscape in order to get the message I want to the person I want on the channel they want. We're seeing some people bring in a party in the middle and saying, I'd like somebody to help help me orchestrate that. And that's 
frankly, role we often do, where it's, it's, they simply can't coordinate all the different boutiques and they'd like someone to provide a coordinating role. And then we're finding some organizations who are saying, look, we want to go into a single partnership. And that is simpler because we have some very big cost goals we need to hit in the next two to three years, maybe even six months. And we've got some very ambitious growth goals. And it's going to be very hard to align everybody up to that if we've got to do a, a job of managing a huge ecosystem. And in those cases, they're saying, look, can we have one partner? And we recognize you may pull in other people, but we'd like you to be on the hook for um, the growth and the cost savings. And actually, we want you to help to drive the cost savings that give me the cash to, to, to invest in growth. And therefore, I want a single partner. So I think there are lots of different aspects to it. But I certainly think ecosystems are going to continue to be a very key part of how organizations work with agencies going forwards. That makes complete sense from the point of view of the client. And the client has multiple different ways they can set this up depending on their individual needs. But is there then a tension between the agencies? So, for example, you might get an agency leader or a business development guy saying, look, I've seen the data that the average agency relationship of the client is 2.8 years or whatever the latest data is. And, you know, we're not Accenture. It's not going to be 50 years. We're a normal agency. It's 2.8 years. And we know that the statistically the chances of this winning if the client goes out for a retender, is only one in three. Therefore, we have to assume this relationship will only last four years, four and a half years, whatever the maths work out at. Therefore, my best option to increase revenue after our incredibly expensive business development push actually landed us this client is to steal as much work as possible from the other agencies. If I can upsell so that we now offer service X and service Y as well as service Z, that's brilliant. I've managed to claw back some of my huge business development costs. And this, rather than being something that's tenuous for us, is now going to be very profitable for us. You know, there is, there is a logic there from an agency who says, my business model is predating upon the other partner agencies within this ecosystem. Is that not an issue? I think, I think it, is, it is an issue if, if, if that's the mentality. I think if, you've got, if you can offer better services at better value to, to the customer and you can make a case for that, then, then I think that's, you know, that's all good and worthy competition. If you're simply kind of stealing work, um, as you say, and, and trying to do it for a short-term gain, then I think, firstly, I suspect the client will get quite frustrated because they'll it'll be quite transparent what you're doing and you'll actually be damaging the ability to interplay with those other agencies. And if one of the things they've asked you to do is interplay with the other agencies, if they see that it's a constant battle, I think they're going to spot that pretty quickly. But as I say, if you have a really compelling case where you can demonstrate better value and a, and a better answer by bringing it together, then again, I think it's all a case of, is it in service to the client? Are you really in service to the client or not? If you can be in service to your client and also meet your commercial goals, then that's fantastic. If you try and meet your commercial goals um, at the detriment to the client or the relationships they have, I think that pretty quickly gets called out. And I think, you know, to your point about the business development effort, I think one of the things that both Claude and um, Remini mentioned was advocacy of those clients to others and them becoming your channel. And I think, you know, if they spot those behaviors, see see it as something where you were trying to take as much as you could over three and a half years because you knew it was going to end, end at that point and um, they see those behaviors, they're not going to be an advocate for you. And that's going to make your business development effort an awful lot more expensive for whoever you go after next. Remini, is this something that you see? Yes, I mean it's really interesting because I, I think, as I think I've touched on before, is having that honesty level and making sure that you're always honest. One of my um, client care questions for one of my clients is, um, do the agency convey a proactive honesty? And in, in other words, do they tell them the truth, the client the truth, whether there's issues or not, and and how is that portrayed? And I think it's such a good question because I think that you know you've got to be honest, you've got to be upfront, and you've got to let your clients know where 
when things are working and when things aren't working because you know we're all human and things do go wrong sometimes and you know you can't always be perfect but I think if you can be upfront and make sure that your clients are aware of that um, and actually you know yeah if you go after stealing other people's business that's not going to go down well <laughs> um, and so I think you know again one of the things that I think if you're actually speaking to people and you find out whether there, there are issues then if you can turn them around you've got a much better chance of keeping that business in you know obviously it's you know the, the, the well-known is five times um, more um, effective to five times more expensive to get new clients than it is to retain your clients so really you should be ensuring you do everything you can to build those relationships and keep the clients um, and I think honesty is absolutely critical in that. Claude is this something that when you're working day to day becomes an issue for you I mean for example do you find that you might be in a situation by where your work is made more difficult by the need for the agency that you're contracted to to defend themselves or to promote themselves within a multi-agency environment or is this something that really only impacts the agency leads and account director and you can just get on with your work i think it impacts more the account directors and account executives but i think that what you put out of there for your clients could be of help to whoever is selling the services of the agency so that they got more leverage in in like getting a new clients I have encountered like this one client of ours who would always say that there's another agency that could do this cheaper. And I don't think I would want to work for that client if keeps on, on, on saying that to us because um, as an agency, I think what the, the core is that you need to build um, relationship and trust. And if it's something that, you know, if the client doesn't trust you or, or looking for somewhere else because the price is, is cheaper, not necessarily the service is better, then it's a relationship that you don't really want to continue. But interestingly there, you are saying sometimes your work can be useful to the commercial guys in an agency for winning new work. Yeah. But you didn't say that it's useful for upselling within an existing set of relationships. So is the implication there that you're you're mindful of the new business opportunity, but you actually are not working in environments where upselling is going to be a big issue? No, I, th I think if, if your work is good, then upselling is also easier. Um, again, I have encountered this one client where I work for uh, like, I think more than five years. And then I've sensed the need for them. That was about you know, way back in time when, when all the websites need to be um, mobile responsive and their site is not. So I proposed uh, that idea to them and, and you know, we've got uh, the budget for it because of the continued um, relationship with them, providing them with good um, execution of the, whatever projects that they throw into us. So I think once you got the trust again, upselling is easier and also like um, selling um, your your services to other clients as well. We are slightly talking about clients as if clients are all the same. Um, so let's maybe bring this one back to Mark again. Mark, because you've got that global view, do you see differences maybe between different national business cultures or in different sectors, in different industries, where it's easier to get a partnership with some types of companies and harder with other types of companies? I think it would be hard to characterize it by a particular geography or a particular industry, but I think there's definitely a breadth of maturity um, in the way organizations work with their agencies and get the best out of them. And that goes, you know, on all steps that we talked about. So we've talked about 
how, how connected are the individuals in that organization to the goals they're really trying to achieve, i.e., you know, the revenue growth, etc. How much agency do they have over the end-to-end experience? Uh, because I think the more siloed an organization it is, the harder it is for them to be able to work with agencies in a um, an end-to-end way because they may only be responsible for A-B testing on their mobile website, in which case it becomes quite difficult because it becomes quite transactional um, and there's very little flexibility in what can be achieved. Whereas if the conversation they can have is, how do you help me grow my business in this region or this product area through the full range of experiences and digital um, technologies, that's a, an easier thing to do. I think the procurement piece is really key. Um, you know, We talked about procurement perhaps um, earlier a little bit, implying they're always the enemy or the barrier, but they can be incredibly useful um, and incredibly supportive. I mean, I've actually met many procurement departments who are now leading the charge in kind of educating the businesses globally in the new ways of working and the new opportunities that can be created within marketing. So, you know, that level of maturity makes a big difference. And then, of course, you have the, the, the sort of federalized or the um, Republican nature of different businesses. And uh, that makes a difference, you know, in a business that is, is highly centralized, highly global, um, can achieve things at a, at a great scale and can partner with very large organizations successfully globally to deliver results. Something that's very federalized can probably get real benefit out of lots of individual boutique agencies, but but increasingly in the global world, that can present challenges as well. So I think it's more about the, the, the mindset, the mentality, the alignment of the um, commercial revenue goals the cultural resonance that an organization wants to achieve in terms of across the globe and how local and how how central they want to be, and also the customer experience they want to create. And I think the maturity and how those things come together and how singularly an organization is thinking about those things determines uh, how they're going to work with their agencies. You've used the word maturity there a lot. I mean, would I, you know, if I were listening to this podcast, would I be justified in taking away from that the idea that maybe an established PLC or an FMCG company with a long history or whatever is likely to have attitudes, processes, et cetera, which are more conducive to partnership and maybe I should stay away from the latest tech darling that's just got through its Series D fundraising? No, I don't think so, actually. I think it's it's it's, it's all down to organizational culture and attitude. Um, I've worked with some very small organizations who've had a really strong mindset of partnership, a really mature way of thinking about how they work with their agencies, how they bring them very close together, how much they collaborate. And I've worked with very large organizations at the same time who are having a very hands-off sort of supplier-led commodity and siloed approach. So so no, I don't think it's a reflection of, of size at all. I I think in some ways, actually, a smaller organization who's got some a leader or who really understands this, they can drive it through the whole organization more quickly um, and they can be an absolute pleasure to work with. At the same time, in a large organization, um, it probably takes longer to drive that culture. But if you have that culture and that kind of sense of leadership of the way you're going to work with your, your, your suppliers, your partners, your agencies, then you can obviously achieve bigger things because you're a bigger organization. So I don't think it's a function of size at all. So, Remini, are you seeing from your work any particular characteristics or tendencies within different client organisations that makes it easier for them to build genuine partnerships? Uh, it's a tricky one. I think, you know, the smaller agencies, they're, you know, 
I don't necessarily think that size is a massive issue. I think it's all down to the people and how the people are engaging with their clients and how they can improve their reputation and their relationships with their clients um, to create that partnership. So, you know, I, I suppose the size issue, you know, maybe with some of the smaller smaller clients, they can sometimes be at risk. And the, the feedback I sometimes get from some of the smaller clients is that, you know, they know they're a small client, so they're not as important as the bigger clients. And obviously, that shouldn't be the way. And, you know, that's something that does need to be addressed because, you know, a client's a client and they should be treated the right way. And equally with the bigger clients, I think they have different issues. And, you know, I think some of the issues are down to the way that they're managed by the people. So, I mean, I, as I say, I, I'm I'm waffling because it's kind of goes <laughs> between the, the large and the small. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I think where you're, where you're going there is that size, size or national culture or anything like that just requires slightly different management approaches to try and build that partnership. But the partnership is viable regardless of you know, national culture, company size, industry, etc. Is that sort of what I'm hearing? <laughs> okay, cool. okay, cool. That's actually a really good positive place to have got to. You know, there's lots of positivity here about uh, about partnership. I know certainly when I sort of started thinking about this, when we went into this conversation, I was, you know, slightly sympathetic to the the argument of, you know, business is a fight. You're always going to be fighting. It's always win lose. And I personally don't operate that way, but I have a lot of empathy for people who do. <laughs> uh, having heard you guys talking, I've now got way less empathy for that. You know, partnership is obviously the way forward, and let's all cheer that one on. So, thank you very much for that. You've raised my mood, if nothing else. Um, so, just to kind of finish off on uh, something, something positive and something that people can take away. Uh, if each of you had one thing that you could suggest that people could do differently or better that would allow them to create higher quality partnerships that were going to drive better work, that are going to improve their bottom line. What is that one improvement that you would suggest? And uh, Claude's been silent for a bit, so let's kick off with Claude. Okay, yeah, one word I think is empathize and treat your clients equally, whether it's small or big, because I've handled both and their needs are the same and their words are the same. So for me, if you were able to empathize with the client, then you know your work gets easier. Cool. Remini. You know, treat your clients like humans and be, you know, put a put a client care process into place and you know, get someone impartial to speak to your clients and see how they feel about the service and look at how things can be improved, developed and, uh, you know, let give them the opportunity to be listened to. Um, you know, it makes them feel appreciated. Um, you also get loads of really good intelligence that you can actually improve the relationship, not just with the client, but with the business as a whole. And of course, that's what you do, isn't it? That of course you, is what you, I'm doing, and I'm doing a little bit, bit of a plug, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but ultimately, I do think that putting you know good client care processes into place is really important. I, of course, I'm a bit a bit biased, but hey ho. <laughs> that's fine. Um, and finally, Mark. I think the big thing I'd say is both parties and both clients and agencies need to invest in context, context, context. You cannot operate a partnership um, with a lack of context, um, and that means. Uh, both in terms of um, never send out an RFP without the opportunity to go and talk one-to-one with all the people you're sending that RFP to. Don't uh, make demands um, of agencies without explaining why and what's happening in your business and what's driving that. In the same way, agencies explain what you can and can't do. Be honest about things you're less good at or things that you're going to struggle a little bit more with. Tell people if um, you're facing challenges 
Because actually, if you get that openness and that context on both sides, everybody can really work together in partnership. Whereas if you kind of put the walls up and try and operate within a very narrow band of communication that's about the thing you're doing or the project you're doing or the task you're undertaking, you'll find that a lot of the value seeps away and the chances of a, a long-term relationship is going to be much less successful. I mean, it's, it's ultimately, it's exactly the same as a human relationship. You can only operate effectively in human relationships with lots of context sharing on both sides and investing, over-indexing on that than what you perhaps expect. It's exactly the same with any client and agency relationship. Excellent. Thank you. Well, we've gone from some quite interesting theoretical observations through to some very, very concrete suggestions there at the end. So thank you to Claude Boyon, Remini Armitage, and to Mark Sherwin.